Another pot of coffee is brewing and I am about to overload you with Chris Evans goodness in this, the last episode of Chris Evans season 2022. I promised that this would be a special one and it will be as I even have a guest on to talk about the film with. So settle back with a cup of coffee or perhaps a tumbler of peaty rich whiskey, wrap yourself in a cream cable knit sweater and enjoy. The circumstances surrounding the death of crime novelist Harlan Thromby are mysterious, but there's one thing that renowned detective Benoit Blanc knows for sure. Everyone in the wildly dysfunctional Thromby family is a suspect. Now Blanc must sift through a web of lies and red herrings to uncover the truth. Hey, and welcome to my guest who keeps on coming back because I keep on asking her. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it's Lorraine from Once Upon a Nightmare. Hello. <laughs> you don't mind me keeping on asking you, do you? No, I've got to love chatting about films, so uh, happy to be back. Yeah, next time it's chatting about a book and a film, but this time we are chatting about the final episode in my 2022 Chris Evans season. And I know that a lot of people actually mentioned this film last year. And I said, not this time, because it didn't go with the theme. But we are talking about 2019's Knives Out. (laughs) We are indeed. My first time watching it, by the way. I know that I really was stunned about, I have to be honest, because I was sure that you must have seen it before this. No, it was one of those films where I was like... Yes, I want to watch this. And I do that with films. It's really weird. I just don't watch films I want to watch. I know that makes no sense. That No, that, that really doesn't make any sense. No, I've done that with so many films. And I'm like, I really want to watch that, but I'm not going to watch it now. And then I never do until I have a reason. Sometimes it can take years. And um, this was a good excuse to watch it. And I was like, oh, my God, why didn't I watch this before? Because I really, really liked it. I thought it was brilliant. That's the thing. This was the last film I went and saw in the cinema before the dreaded COVID pandemic. (gasps) Not supposed to say the C word. (laughs) (laughs) Well, as my sister, two of my nephews and one of my cousins all have it at the moment, I can say it. (laughs) They have COVID. Yeah. Oh, no. It's my sister's birthday (laughs) today actually the day this is releasing on the 31st and she got diagnosed with covid on wednesday oh that's annoying yeah that's really annoying um yeah well i don't have it (laughs) no neither do i and i that's the thing i've been testing for it because obviously i've been ill so if my voice goes at any point during this recording yeah ignore it (laughs) (laughs) please so if it goes quiet it's just because Ray's lost her voice (laughs) yeah if it goes quiet it's because I've lost my voice again but I had I've been testing regularly for the last 10 days and every single test has been negative so that's that's good really good thing yeah yeah it's just today actually because I started coughing this morning and I was like negative so that's good that's definitely a bonus so we're both we're both covid negative which is really really good (laughs) Are we ever going to stop talking and saying that? I do wonder. Yeah, I, I want to know when people are going to stop saying I've got a cold, but it's not COVID. When will that happen? 
<laughs> well, that's that's what exactly what I posted. Yeah. I think last week I posted. I've got. A, I think I've got a cold. It's not COVID. <laughs> <laughs> because you you just have to qualify it anyway. We are here to talk about 2019's <laughs> Knives Out. Sorry, it just popped into my head. It was like I'm feeling really ill. It's not COVID. Don't worry. It's just herpes. <laughs> When I spoke with the doctor this week, he's all he kept on saying to me was, "I'm Have you got really herpes? no, I'm really concerned about you because your immune system's so bad." I'm thinking, "Wow, you're making me feel great about this." Oh, and people have been ill with this virus that you've got for more than four weeks. It's like, oh, great way to make me feel even better. Yay! So I've got four weeks to look forward to. Especially nice. with the sinuses, yeah. But anyway, we will get back to the film now. Less of the weird talk about the pandemic that hopefully is now almost over. Because I don't know about anybody else, but I'm fed up with hearing about it. It never happened. It was a hoax. <laughs> oh, my God. She did and not just earth, say that. And the earth is flat. <laughs> <laughs> Who are you? Is that the drink talking? <laughs> what are you on about? This is a fruit bowl. <laughs> exactly. It's the size of one. <laughs> anyway, this was the first time you'd seen the film. What mm -hmm. were you expecting from the title, the posters? I've actually got a photo on my phone from when the poster first appeared around my town. I'll be honest with you. I didn't know what to expect, but I really didn't expect what I got. I felt and like I was going back to kind of like... Um, murder she wrote type uh, film. You know, did you watch Murder She Wrote? Oh gosh, yes. Yeah, it was one of those kind of like murder mysteries, and everyone's very dramatic, and you know who did it and what happened and stuff like that. But in a in a very old school type of way, and I loved how when the the cops were interviewing people, and you just like have, you know who uh, Daniel Craig in the background and just sat there taking it all in I, I just loved it I just thought it was so old school in how they did it it didn't seem like you know the type of uh you know someone's been killed or have they been killed let's figure out it just was it just went back to how things used to be I found yeah That's what one, I liked about it. you saying murder she wrote reminds me there was a scene in the film mm. where you actually see Martha, Martha's mother watching Murder, She Wrote on yeah. her TV. Yeah, I saw that. <laughs> and I think there were also, at one point, her sister was watching a murder mystery. Mm. And it's, they also mentioned the clue house. Because mm. when the police first arrive with Benoit Blanc, they Benoit say, oh, it's, 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 the, um, it's the clue house. Mm. It's right out of clue. And it really is. And even the end credits have a very clue stroke courtroom illustration yeah. type feel about them mm. I think the whole thing was very much a um a kind of nod to the old style Agatha Christie films yeah no I agree 100% that's exactly what it was it didn't feel like it didn't really feel like anything I'd seen lately when it came to this type of thing and like the whole, basically the Daniel Craig completely made this film for me. 
He was definitely the star of this film. I think he was meant to be. He was the first name in the credits. Yeah, but he, like, you have all these big names. You've got Jamie Lee Curtis, you've got Chris Evans. But for me, it was him. Like, I mean, I, I, that accent, I, I, when he first did it, I thought he was having a bit of a piss take. <laughs> Because I've, I've, I, whenever I hear Daniel Craig, I just hear an English accent. And because you automatically think James Bond. Yeah, you do. But I, when he did, when he carried on going, I'll be honest with you, I forgot that it was Daniel Craig. I completely forgot who he was. I just thought it was, he just did so well that he wasn't Daniel Craig playing a character. He was that person because he just, I, I just thought he did such a great job with it. And his accent was brilliant that I completely forgot that he was Daniel Craig. Which isn't going, necessarily oh, Daniel a bad Craig. thing. Oh, that's <laughs> Daniel Craig. Yeah, no, I think that's a brilliant thing because he's such a well-known actor, and especially, like you said, for James Bond, that I completely forgot about James Bond. I completely forgot that he was Daniel Craig. Well, this has weird. moved him into this has moved him into another franchise because, of course, Netflix has bought the rights to... I think the next two Knives Out films and they're currently making, they're making one at the moment. So yeah, but I think it's also, yeah, I, I saw that because um, I think on my Netflix, it came up as a remind. Do you want to be reminded when the second one comes out basically? But I think also it's, it's kind of shown him in a different light that he's not just James Bond, that he can do other things and he can do them really well. So I think, I feel like this might get him some other roles that you wouldn't necessarily think because I would not have put him in this at all. I wouldn't have, unfairly. You know? See, that's the thing. I The first thing I ever saw Daniel Craig in was a play based on a 14th century script, maybe 15th century, called The Rover. Hmm. And I had to watch it for my degree. Hmm. And he was totally different in that. A lot younger as well, <laughs> but totally different character. The thing is, he has got range, but I think that mm. he's been stereotyped as James Bond yeah, and he's of kind course. of pigeonholed in that role. Yeah, I agree. I agree. But he and this um, is and obviously this is um, the first time he's worked with Anna de Armas, who plays Marta. Yeah, because she was in the most recent James Bond film. Oh, was she? I haven't seen the latest one. I haven't either. I just know that she was in it. Yeah, I haven't seen that. No, I liked her. I thought she was good. She held herself well around all those uh, big actors. So she did. She, yeah. She, she, she stood her ground. I thought she did a really good job. That's the thing. I mean, she was, it was quite strange seeing that she was not credited as highly as she probably should have been mm. in the film. Because... Agreed. Essentially, she is the central character mm -hmm. and everything revolves around her like the donut, which mm. still baffles me to this day. <laughs> I came out of the cinema thinking, what the heck is the donut? And mm. I still go away from the film thinking, what the heck is the donut? But anyway, if you haven't seen the film, do watch it. But we're here to talk about the film itself and primarily Chris Evans role in it because this is Chris Evans season and his role was I think this is the biggest B he's ever been I I tell you what I was I was what it, it, 
I mean, he he kind of goes in and out of. I mean, obviously, he's just playing a game because, like, there's a point where you like, you could be, you couldn't be, you could you could believe that he actually was trying to help you know, her. Yeah, yeah. But, I I had that moment, but get a little something in return. You know, yeah, I had that thing. moment where I thought, oh, he's playing the white knight and he's rescuing her from this really awkward situation that he is claiming he doesn't know anything about. Yeah, but then I thought he does know something about it and he's using it as a way to get all the money back to the family because obviously she's inherited everything and then he'll be in the good graces of his family again. But then I soon realised he doesn't give a toss about anyone oh, as no. long as he gets his share it doesn't matter how he gets it and that's basically what it is and what I found really weird about watching it as we all know looking at um Chris Evans he's he's beautiful he's such a beautiful looking man and he looks like a nice man and he's got a lovely smile and all that kind of stuff and in this I was like you are so ugly I was like you were the most unattractive there was nothing appealing about him whatsoever. If that version of Chris Evans come towards me, I'd be like, mate, keep walking. <laughs> he was vile. And I remember the whole time thinking to myself, how have they managed to make Chris Evans unattractive? Because they've done it in this. Yeah, but the thing is, have they done it or has... No, he did it. He, I was going to say he yeah. did it with did the script it. that he was given. Yeah. And I believe there's there was something somewhere... Um, when they were talking about the film where they had to negotiate because there's that one scene where he's eating biscuits and watching the entire family collapse around him before the will reading. That was amazing. And where he's telling everyone where to go and they had to negotiate what he was going to say. What do you mean? Because it wasn't originally going to be what he did say. And I'm not saying it because we don't have curse words on here, but it was basically eat... And he was telling everybody where to get off. In and a beepy, beepy, beepy type way. <laughs> in a beep, beep, beep type, type way, exactly. And he was uh-huh. so vicious about it. But there was this expression of glee on his face as he did it. Oh, yeah. He really was, you could tell, he was enjoying every single second. Well, they had said this because like, he knew he was out of the will. They all knew he was out of the will. And they were like what was it this would be good for you yes do you know what I mean but that was that I found was the funniest bit when he rescues Marta after the will reading has been made and he says oh come on this will be good for you (laughs) it's like that's the perfect parting Mm. shot because at that point he was playing the white knight who was rescuing her from the rest of his family and he was he observed their entire collapse with such glee he just sat there in the corner watching as everything just fell apart. And then his mum flipped. They deserved his, they deserved him to sit there and do it because, the, you know. They the weren't only, any better than him. Exactly. That's the thing. They were like, you know, basically he just wants the money, blah, blah, blah. But I think this film is a perfect example of how people think they get on how they may be a close family, but their money comes into the mix and we see who you truly are because as soon as money comes into it, everybody changes. I'm a true believer that your parents owe you nothing. nothing. 
They do not owe you a single penny. I think every person with money that they've made themselves, spend it, spend it, spend it, spend it. Your kids, they can make their own way. I think it's disgusting that people believe that they're owed, that they're owed by their parents. I completely agree with you. It's I have to say it's it's one of those things that makes me quite cross when, oh. I mean, I've, se- I've seen it for myself. Mm. The minute money comes into the mix, the minute mm. there is an, an opportunity for inheritance, mm. everyone turns on each other and this is what happens when they're all, when all of the characters are being interviewed for the first time by the detective and Benoit Blanc is sitting in the background just observing. Every single one of them is absolutely fine until their fault is picked out. And the minute their fault is picked out, perfect example is Richard Drysdale, who is Linda's husband mm. and Ransom's father and is played mm. by Don Johnson. The minute it is, oh, oh, was what were you hiding? What were you arguing yeah. with Harlan about? It's, oh, well, Walt's doing this mm. about his brother-in-law. The minute he was accused, it was somebody else has done this instead. It was mm. as though he was trying to divert attention from his own potential motive for murder, which is what most people would do they'd be desperately trying to cling on to the hope that someone else had done it but I do find it quite funny that every single one of them was oh well Marta she's wonderful she's hardworking. Linda loves the fact that she's hardworking. she's like we treat her like one of the family until the money comes into it and then she's a vindictive manipulative little b-word who probably slept with Harlan for money and it's, you see that, as you said, what money can do to somebody and what money does to the structure of a family, if that is all that's really holding them together. And in this case, it really was. I think it's what holds a lot of people together. It's like they just, the idea that, you know, when their parents go, they're going to get this life-changing amount of money. And you shouldn't live your life like that, you know, because you know you your parents could be alive until like you're in your 60s what are you going to do you're going to live your life in a terrible way hoping for that payout pension at the end of it like it's it's despicable behavior you know oh i agree i really do i think that (laughs) i think that if you're going to make your way in the world you make it on your own and if you get something from your parents at the end of it, Fine. be grateful. <laughs> if they help you when they're alive, great. But don't expect it. Because yeah. it'll never be enough. Oh, that is very, very true. I come yeah. from a family that part of it has a lot of money. Mm. A lot of money. And one of my cousin's husbands married her for the lot of money that wasn't going to come her way because it was her father's second wife's money. Yeah. And you see the deterioration of the relationship because what they expected is not what they got. Yeah. And that is what happens in the case of the thrombies. Well, I think as well, there's, there's a situ there's a thing with families where I'm the daughter, I'm the, I'm the son I'm the grandchild, so therefore I get. But you, I see it with certain people who I who shall re- remain nameless, 
who put no effort into certain family members that may have the money, no attention at all. But yet when the money is about to be, you know, handed out because someone's died, they expect something. And when they don't get it, they're shocked. But you've had no relationship with this person. All you've done is take, take, take. And then at the end of it, you're the, you're shocked because he gives it to someone that actually cared about him. Because the one thing about Marta was she never thought for one second that by looking after him meant that she would get all that money. She's his, she fr- she's got- his friend. She's yeah. his confidant. And she is his nurse. And as but, far as she's concerned, that's their relationship. But when you see their, yeah, exactly, exactly, 100%. Because when you see their relationship, when they're playing that game and they're just chatting, you can tell that he confides in her a lot. You know, like she is his go-to. And she got rewarded for that, but it wasn't her intention. You know, no, she never also- thought at all that she was going to get that money. Exactly. And not only that, you can tell that he actually cares for her in the way that he sets everything up like one of his books. Yeah. When she gave him that stuff, the medication, that was so sad. That was so sad. And you could see she was heartbroken. She was genuinely heartbroken. But that showed how much he cared for her because he did that for her because he was like your mum would be deported and all this kind of stuff and he was you know I mean he wasn't dying or anything but he was an older gentleman and he just sacrificed himself for this young girl and then on top of that he gives her millions and millions of pounds 60 yeah plus and a house and all his books (laughs) yeah and exactly so she's going to get all that revenue from any more books that sell isn't she so she's she just owns it all that's the thing I do part of me wondered as I watched this for the first time if they hadn't treated her so abominably once the money came I mean Walt and his threats towards her family at her home Mm. and the way that he was so intimidating with his cane and Mm. everything else if none of them had done that if Meg hadn't basically betrayed her confidence Mm. would she have helped them I think Meg though I I think she didn't have a choice I think she would have helped her I think she would because do you remember that you're on about the young girl yes yeah because they hugged and she was like I'm so sorry I think she was bullied into that I don't think Meg wanted to do that and I know she said look just you should you know give it back to us yeah but it's The money belongs to us. She was told to say that. Oh, I think she was. But I think there was also an element of your lifestyle will change too much if you don't have it. So as well as there being that threat of my my mother's going to be impoverished. I mean, her mother was a thief. Mm. As well as the threat of her mother living in poverty, there was also the fact that she wouldn't be able to continue with her degree, whatever that happened to be. Yeah. And the lifestyle that she'd become accustomed to would be completely written off. So while there was that element of threat for me, there was also that me, 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 I'm not going to get Mm. what I deserve. So she would have been threatened into it, but at the same time she saw the reasoning behind it. Otherwise, why bother telling 
her family, oh, well, her mum's an illegal. Hmm. She didn't have to say that in order to get the point across. Yeah, but I feel she was told to say that. Yeah, but she didn't have to tell anybody about her mother. Oh, yeah, About yeah, Marty's yeah, yeah. mother. Oh, yeah, she said that, didn't she? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Because she told everybody, oh, Marty's mother's an illegal. Yeah. Especially yeah, given that conversation that. that we witnessed, mm. that she witnessed on the night of the party when they were discussing illegal immigration and oh, well, there are ways to come in and everything else. I mean, wow, those conversations. <laughs> the, the conversations totally isolated to the privileged few. Mm. They're yeah. not very, I mean, none of them were nice people. Not even the youngest son, Jacob, was a nice person. No, none of them were because there was times when you kind of like at the start, I was like, you know, Jamie Lee Kurt's character, she seems nice and, you know, this kind of stuff. But like as time went on, I think literally it was they some of them come across as nice. But as soon as money came into play, I think that's when, you know, that's when we see everyone's true colors and, you know, what they're in, what they expected and obviously the way they turned on Marta. And the thing was, right, they were so blinded by it all that, I mean, we could all see as an audience that she was like, what the freaking frack? Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And I love the way that you're <laughs> using your language. I'm trying not to swear. <laughs> um, and you could see that by looking at her, that she was just overwhelmed and she she just had no idea what was happening and she was trying to process all this information and instead of them going taking a step back and saying okay this is very unusual I wonder why he did this you look at Marta she hasn't a clue what's going on let's just all calm down and have a conversation you know it, it would have went a lot differently I mean obviously that's not the film but in real life I feel like the way they all carried on a lot of people would carry on like that. Whereas if you took a step back and you could tell 100% by Marta's reaction that she was just as surprised as they were. The only think, person that wasn't surprised was Chris Evans because he knew about it. Oh yeah, and he was incredibly smug about the entire situation. That was the only scene that I actually liked him in because <laughs> they deserved it. They deserved his smugness. Yeah, but the thing is, he deserved being cut off to start with. Oh, he did, but they deserved his smugness. <laughs> <laughs> and it was he was so smarmy. The thing was, I still want to get inside that cable knit sweater with all the holes in the neck. <laughs> I'm sorry. I know he's an absolute jerk in this, but there is something about him and his eyes. No, not in this. <laughs> I'm sorry, Chris Evans is not Chris Evans in this. He's not the one we all love. He is just, and I think that shows his acting abilities because in this, I was looking at it and the whole way through, I was literally like, nope, if you come up to me and ask me out this minute, I'd say no, <laughs> because he was so vile and smarmy and the way his hair was greased back and the smugness and all this shit and I just sorry I just thought I just thought he played it so well that I for the first time thought that Chris Evans was unattractive wow yeah that's how good he was I was like nah move along mate I'm turning you down 
okay, in that case, total, well, not total shift in subject, saying that this film made you think that Chris Evans was unattractive. How did you feel about Sebastian Stan in Fresh? He was more attractive than Chris. <laughs> Are you kidding me? Yeah, that's weird, isn't it? That is. What does that say about me? I I dread to think. I don't think I want to psychoanalyze you at this point. I will say the funniest thing, well, not the funniest thing, but one of the things that struck me is this is a film that introduced you to two different sets of actors who've worked together in subsequent projects because Daniel Craig and Anna Darmas worked together in Mm. the net, the world is not no what's the next i don't even remember what the next the title of the latest james bond was something about a world is it die another day no no isn't that with um pierce brosnan or something? this just this just shows us it shows you how much we do not watch james bond films or is it no you only die twice die. oh yeah. there you go i think that's connery <laughs> i know I realised that as soon as I said it. God, don't let the spy-hard fellas listen to this. They'd have a meltdown. What? (laughs) What do you mean you don't know what the James Bond films are? I don't. Uh, Yeah, No Time to Die. There you go. Well, Tomorrow Never Dies. Yeah, that was in 1997. (laughs) That's probably the last James Bond film I watched. That was a Brosnan one, wasn't it? That was Brosnan, yeah. Yeah, so that's probably the last James Bond film I ever watched. Anyway, this was the first time that Anadamas and Daniel Craig worked together, but it was also the first time... You Only Lived Twice was 1967. (laughs) (laughs) And Chris Evans worked with Jaden... And why is my brain completely gone? It worked with Jaden Martell, and this was actually his first time working and um, playing the role of a sociopathic nightmare because they acted together in Defending Jacob. Oh, right. Okay. In okay. which he also played a sociopathic nightmare, and poor Chris Evans was his beleaguered lawyer father, oh. complete with a beard. I haven't seen that yet. I haven't seen that. It's well worth watching, I will say, mm. but it is, I think it's about nine hours, maybe nine and a half. So it's quite the a commitment. It's nine hours. It's not a film, it's a TV oh. series. It was on <laughs> Apple. <laughs> <laughs> no, it was a, it was a TV series. Hmm. Okay. That what did you think? Sense. Yeah. What did you think of the overall feel of the film? In what way? Do you think it what do you think you we've already said that it has that feel of an Agatha Christie style thing? Mm-hmm. Do you think those characters would have been able to easily be transferred from one to another without even blinking? Um ignoring the fact that Agatha Christie's are always based either in the Caribbean, on the Nile. Yeah, I or... haven't seen any of her stuff in, in any of that stuff in ages. I watched a load of Agatha Christie at Christmas. No. I haven't seen any of that in ages. Like this, yeah, this film was just, for me, the feel of the film was very much old school murder mystery. It didn't need, you know, any of the bells and whistles of violence and, you know, actual visuals of what we get these days. It just was enough that, you know, 
this person had died and we don't know how they had died sorry i thought someone was coming in um well we knew part of how they died because we know no, no but i mean i mean we know but they didn't know i mean no. by that so like they thought it was a murder but um and they thought his throat was slit so they thought that someone had gone in and all violently and aggressively slit someone's throat um but but i i'm very much less is more when it because like obviously i do a horror podcast and I've always been very much the less is more. So I like the whole element that we don't see anything violent or grotesque, but yet it's suggested. And there's this whole, like, we have to solve what's going on, but it's just, and it's comedy. It's quite funny. Yeah. In how they do it as well. Which Especially I really the liked. ending. Mm, yeah. Yeah. I, um, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, no, it does. I, li I like the whole, yeah, when she's, they're kind of showing how she did it and like the old lady's looking. And I like how they, even just down to mistaken words, like Hugh did this, For you. you did that, or um, Ranson, you're back so soon. And thinking that he said, why are you back so soon? Do you know what I mean? There was just yeah. little things in there that kind of just made it really interesting but things I didn't necessarily pick up on until they were like explained so I think with this film you're trying to even when you find out what happened you're still trying to find out what happened because it's not necessarily about what happened but it's about what other people think has happened that didn't yeah. necessarily happen so you're just constantly on your toes and trying to figure out what went on along with everybody else see that and was one we liked about it yeah, that's one of the things I enjoyed was the fact that you did get to see everything because the film starts with the discovery of the body. Mm. But then all of a sudden we're a week in the future mm. with Marta recovering from the aftermath of everything that she has seen, which we don't discover until much later on in the film. Mm. And we discover everything via flashbacks and mm. narration yeah, which I find really a very, very interesting device to use in film. I'm not always a fan of the voiceover that goes and then I did mm. this and then I did that. But I like the way that this saged really, really nicely into actually visually seeing everything that happened. But it was very detailed because I like the way as well they showed her trainers, like her tennis shoes. And she had just that little speck of blood. Yeah. And you're like, okay, that's going to be something. And I didn't think it was going to be what it thought it was. And I love them when she said, you know, basically, you knew it was me all along. And he's like, yeah. And he's like, how did you know? And he just pointed to that. One single of speck of blood. On her yeah. shoe. And, but I like that the whole way through, he knew that she was involved. But he knew it wasn't in quite the way that you know it was like it's not like I mean as in she didn't do anything wrong technically and he kind of knew that there was more to it and that's what I liked yeah. about it is the fact that it wasn't like well she's involved so she obviously let's blame her he was like okay she's involved but I know that's not the full story here and I need to find out what the full story is and I need to get you know see that was the thing his presence was a plot twist in itself mm. because all the way through he is unaware of 
not necessarily unaware. I don't think he was unaware at any point. Mm. But he makes the audience believe he is unaware of who hired him mm. and why he is investigating this apparent suicide. Yeah. And but I don't think he knew who hired him for a while. I think he knew quite early on, though. Oh, I didn't get that impression. I felt he knew kind of a bit into it. I didn't think he knew that earlier on. I think that he was more aware of, as you, I mean, as we said, he already knew that Marta was involved mm. because of one tiny dot of oh, blood yeah, her, on her definitely. shoe. But definitely. I think he also had his suspicions about every other game, every other player in that game. Mm. Yeah. Because of the way, in the beginning, in the first interviews that are actually conducted, did you notice the single note on the piano? It was leading them to ask another question. Mm. Yeah. And it was interesting to me how they got this collection of characters together. Because Joni, played by Tony Collette, is, I, I think that she is kind of modelled on, very, very loosely, Gwyneth Paltrow with her Goop brand. <laughs> Except more flaky. Because she's very into her crystals and her expensive beauty and her spas and everything else. And she's she's stealing from a family that, I mean, she's bringing up their daughter, but that doesn't entitle her to any money. See, I think it does. You think that I, she's... I do. I do think. I, th I think it does. I, I am a big believer. I think if you get into a relationship with a man a woman and you know you get married you have kids and all that kind of stuff and then that partner dies yeah you I feel like if there was anything coming to him or her so say say for instance in this case the man um was due x amount I think that the woman who is raising their child should get x amount yeah, but it doesn't entitle them to steal it. Oh no, 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 no! That's that. No, that that's, that was that, my that goes without saying. That she was saying. stealing from them, so the fact no, that she was different. being cut off, and the thing is, she's only entitled to that until the child grows up, and that child yeah. is now an adult. Therefore, but, is but, she not now the one who inherits? No, but but the, see, here's the thing: it's a messy thing when kids come involved. My situation is. We have made the decision, myself and Deb, that I concentrate on Riley, why he works. So we've made the decision that I do the, the school runs and all that kind of stuff. But because we do that, it means I can get quite, you know, the money that he does. Yeah. So he can do what he does because of me, in a sense. So say he was to leave or something happened to him. I still have to do all those things. You know what I mean? So when she turns 18 or when that person turns 18 and all of a sudden it's like, well, she's 18 now. You're like, yeah, but for the past 18 years, I've been raising her. I haven't been growing a career because we made the decision that I'd raise her. So when she's 18... Now what do I do? I haven't done much for 18 years because I've been raising a child. I think people think it's basically like, well, why should you get anything? Because I've been raising her. If my husband was alive, then we get it. But because he's not, 
I've still done the same thing, but you're telling me no. Stealing, wrong. But she had, the thing is, I think had she not got a career and given up everything to raise a child, then yes, there would be a difference. However, she has got a career. She has got a business, which the family funded for her. Hmm. So she has got something. The fact that she's run it into the ground is not the family's fault. That's hers. No, I know. But I do think personally that when you have kids and you're left doing the main thing, it's a very different thing. Like I have spent the past few years helping him grow his career. Now, if he, he makes really good money, if he buggered off, I'd be screwed. But he, I, he was able to do that because I did what I did. Yeah. And that's what I think is very unfair. If you are the main worker and you're making all this money, but the other person does all the main housework and the, looking after the kids so you can do that. And then you just get to bugger off and screw them over. Like there's a very strange disconnect between people. I've seen it with some people I know. Luckily, my husband isn't like that because he's not an f- absolute moron. But there's a very, <laughs> there, there's a massive disconnect in couples. I've seen it with people I know where they would decide to have a baby, for instance. And obviously the woman would take a massive cut in money, but the man doesn't think he has to, add any additional money but yet she's the one that has to do it because she's the one that has the baby you know mm-hmm. I think to me I'm like if you're having kids 50 everything gets thrown into a pot and you just use it don't turn around and say to someone give up everything to have kids because we want to have kids but I'm not helping I'll get I'll throw you a few quid if you need it no no it's a it's a joint thing and yeah, if, I'm not saying it's not a joint thing. However, yeah. what I'm in this particular instance where we're talking about fictional character Joni. Yeah, but I still know. She not. was she had a career. Okay. She had money. She didn't give any of it up for her child who goes away to school. Her yeah, schooling she, is paid for by her grandfather. Her business was funded by her father-in-law. No, I know all that, but I do think that there's a a thing where in society, people would think whether she had done that or not, why does she deserve it? In society, yes. However, Mm. in her instance, she doesn't deserve it. Mm, I don't know. She's still raising the kid. Is she? Well, the kid's there, isn't it? The kid's there and has had care funded for by grandparents. And her husband died. Yeah. You know? So why? <laughs> oh. I don't. I mean, she I look at her, I anything. think, yeah, I look at her, I look at her and think she believes she's entitled. I think that's the biggest issue. She's not looking at the, hang on a second, if he didn't have anything, there wouldn't be anything to have. She's looking at it and saying, well, I'm owed this. Yeah, but I think she she's a difficult one because of the situation. But I think as well, you got to look at it as the point where I met this lad. We, we you know we had kid, we planned this future, and he passed away, and now I'm on my own. You know, like you, who knows what she would have been like had he not passed away? Yeah, maybe it's a survival thing. Who knows? 
I'll, do, I'll get what I can get because I need to survive because I don't have anyone to help me. You know, you just don't know. You just don't know. But I, I, do, I do think that if there is an inheritance due and your partner has died, whether it's a man or a woman, this isn't a, a, a you know, a, a thing because it's a bloke or whatever. I think that it should go to the person that's left because it's like saying your other child never existed. So like, you know, it's, it's, it's just basically, it's like saying, well, they're dead now. So fuck them. Sorry. I swore. Apologies. <laughs> they're dead now. So to hell with them, you know, it's like they never existed. Yeah, been there. If you're going to ignore that. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. I just I just think it's ridiculous. People put too much weight on money. Like, just be fair. That's all I ask. Just be fair. Don't do, don't, just, just, you know what, the thing is, you know what's right and you know what's wrong. Just be fair. That's all you can do is be fair. In this be instance, it's down to the ones who are left. I'm mm. not looking at you, Uncle Bob, at all. Oh, the words I could say about you, but you're dead. So he died of COVID. <laughs> you shouldn't yeah. laugh. Couldn't have happened to a nicer person. Yeah. Well, that was mean. <clears throat> money is a weird one. Money is a very weird one. Mm. And the thing is, these all of these people are driven by it. Walt, for some reason, is actually more scary to me than any of the other characters. Was that the publisher? Yes. Yeah, he was weird. I, I loved how, um, like they said, he calls himself a publisher, but basically his dad just hands him a book. Um, he hand, I think it doesn't, she's, doesn't Linda say she hands him two books a year? Do you know what I would ask, though, in this scenario? Because obviously the dad has like silly money. He's got ridiculously yeah. a, a lot of money is you have to ask yourself, is why are the kids like this? Do you know what I mean? Like, what makes them so entitled? I mean, part of me feels a little bit sorry for them because if you grow up in a life where everything is handed to you, you never have to earn anything, you never have to worry about money, you can't, almost, you can't blame them for the way they are. No, it doesn't. That's the thing that with um Linda, because... They do seem to have a really good, relatively close relationship. Mm. I mean, the the whole reason Harlan and Richard have that argument is because Richard is cheating on his wife mm. and Harlan wants to protect his daughter mm. and get her husband to tell her the truth. And that is his entire motive for murder. But why, if if he is... If he is worried about his daughter, why doesn't he leave her anything? Because she's got a lot. She's already got a very, very successful business and she's made a lot of money on her own. Yeah, but that's that's fine. But why leave I, her I more? Feel, no, no, it's nothing to do with why leave her more. It's the fact that I can understand with Ransom why he's not getting anything. I could understand why, she, you know, he, I don't want your husband, the affair guy, having anything. I can understand even with Walt not getting some. But I, why? I, That's his son. Yeah, but I, I, what I was about to say was, but I think he should have got something. So I, I don't, I feel like they were all treated. I feel like they should have got something. 
I do wonder, that's the thing, I wonder with all of it, what was Harlan's motivation mm. behind changing his will? It's almost as though he'd had every intention of killing himself to start with. And yeah. this was just a convenient moment to do it. Or maybe it was just a way of him saying, yeah, maybe it was just a way of him saying, do you know what, guys, you're on your own. But I, I don't know, I just, I think, like, I think it's unfair in a sense to, because like, I mean, me and you, you know, we, we've looked after ourselves since we were very young yeah, and you know, everything we, we made our own money basically. <laughs> yeah. Like, Which is from, why my bank balance is empty. <laughs> yeah, but if from day one until you're an adult, that's all you've known that you've never had to worry that someone's constantly there to bail you out. How are you supposed to do it on your own? I mean, I've witnessed this in somebody that I know. Belled out. Anything wrong? Belled out. Belled out. I'll bail you out. I'll bail you out. So they don't know how to do it on their own because they know that if they mess up, someone's going to bail them out. Yeah, but then doesn't this go back to the question of if your parents have money, you're by a natural byproduct of that, you have a relatively decent upbringing. But then it's not their duty to leave that money to you if no, they made it for themselves. It's so not their duty. How, how are you going? It's that getting that balance of we've got all of this money. You grow up in wealth. Could bring this back to something that's very current with Prince Harry and my parents just cut me off at 36. <laughs> <laughs> but you can bring it back to that whole he grew up in an entitled background, had everything given to him and then all of a sudden he's got to do things on his own because he's an adult yeah but I think these I think people with money like I can understand growing up having money things obviously being a bit easier but money can go money oh, yeah. can disappear I think while that's great and you want to buy your kids something they should also know how to survive if you're not going to give them anything because you are doing them um, no favor. I mean, no you favors. see these idiots on Instagram, these rich kids on Instagram who are like 16 years old and they haven't a first. Like this video popped up once of this young girl and she's like, um, if you're homeless, why don't you just buy a house? And you're just like, What? Please say yeah, that was a joke. Yeah, it, it has to be because you cannot be that stupid. But people are, you know, people are idiots and they, they grow up with this wealth that surrounds them and they have no idea how to look after themselves. I mean, it's so sad. And like these people were like in their 40s, 50s. And they're like, well, my daddy's cut me off. What am I going to do? You know, this type of thing. You're just like, oh, my God, it's so sad. The really the funny thing is her father cut her off, Linda, mm. but she had a million from him to start a business, which she has mm. built to something incredibly successful. Yeah. So who's at fault for ransom? They are. So she's perpetuated just, what her fa her father's mistakes. Yeah, yeah. No, I agree. It's just it's ridiculous. And I, I mean, like, if you've got money and you want to help your kid get a deposit, or 
you know, for a flat or whatever. Great. Brilliant. But teach them, like say to them, say to them when they leave home or they've gone off to uni, say, look, sort yourselves out because I might not leave you anything. Don't rely on me. I'm going to spend all this. I'm going to have holidays. I'm going to enjoy myself. Do not rely on me. But these kids go into their life thinking, I don't ever have to worry about money because my parents die. I'm going to get a fortune. Fortunes See, can go. Yeah, this was you saying this reminds me and I lo- I've established this a long time ago. I absolutely love cozy mysteries and everything else, which is mm. why this film is perfect. But I watched an, a very old episode of Kingdom with Stephen Fry and it was one of the first episodes and a wealthy woman dies of a heart attack in a pool on her 60th birthday. Hmm. Her two sons return home. One of them is desperate to start selling everything so he can get the inheritance. And the other one's sitting back going, whatever. It turns out his mother has got nothing. The house is mortgaged up to the hilt. The cars are lease cars and she owns nothing because she sold all of it because she had a child later in life who had Down syndrome and she's used every single penny she owns to fund the care for her daughter. The older son is absolutely disgusted because he's got loads of debt. The first thing he does when his mother dies is go out and buy an expensive car. Yeah. And that's exactly that's the thing with everybody assuming. Yeah. Stop that, expecting. Yeah. Stop expecting because you are owed zero. You if you didn't earn zero. it, no, it's not yours. And if you no. do get it, great. Bonus. But look at it like a bonus. Oh, I wasn't expecting that and I've just got that. Yeah, exactly. So that I think that's one of the biggest lessons that comes away from this film is the fact that money perpetuates very bad relationships. It also <laughs> increases the possibility that you might be a murder victim of murder. <laughs> the thing was, I mean, Holland seemed like a really sweet character to certain people. Yeah. But then you look at his relationships with a lot of his family and there were massive issues. Yeah, but they were dicks, man. Yeah, but who made them that way? Do you know what, though? I've come across people with money and they're really nice, very generous. But yet, and they've shown themselves to be generous people, giving people and their kids are the complete opposite. And is that because their kids grew up with the wealth that their parents earned? No, the parents, no, it wasn't that typical. It wasn't that type of wealth, but there was money involved. And they, the parents were always very generous, but to everybody, like not, not just like I'll give my kids whatever they want. It wasn't like that, but they were very generous people. But yet their kids don't have an ounce of it. And you're like, how? You saw your parents being generous and to people and, you know, giving. Why aren't you? You know? Yeah, see, that does bring back the question, uh, brings the answer to entitlement. 
Yeah. And that's the thing. Harlan's children were entitled. Yeah. They'd brought up children who were entitled, entitled. And that entitlement ended with murder. Yeah. No, I agree. But, you know, I think I think this film should be... I feel like this film should be shown in scores of rich <laughs> kids to go, just to let you know, doesn't always work out the way you think it's going to work out. <laughs> See that woman looking after your dad? She's going to get it all. <laughs> See, that's anything the... you can do about it. <laughs> See, the thing that really struck me as awful was... Not only the way that they turned on Marta when she was announced as the heiress, mm. but what they accused her of, because it wasn't a case of them immediately going, oh, well, she got the money because she was really nice to him and they were close. Yeah, they say you shagged him or something, yeah. didn't they? Yeah, they accused her mm. of seducing and sleeping know, with him. him. Oh, and she got her claws into him and, oh, the oh well, if she's accused of murder, then she can't get the money. Mm. Mm. That was a that was a good one. I thought that was good. That she couldn't have it if then she was found guilty. No, not even if she was found guilty. No, if she was accused. accused. Yeah. Like O.J. Simpson was the perfect example. But the whole thing was, each moment was very cleverly plotted mm. out. Mm. I'm not sure... If I am keen on the idea of this being a franchise. Yeah, I, I, I know what you mean. I don't know what they do with the second one. Because they obviously they can't have the same cast back because they've had that murder. That's been yeah. solved. The criminal is in prison and the family Unless is out on their ear. Yeah, but then... No, but they wouldn't get the money, would they? No, exactly. And they'd be the first suspects. Hmm. True. So it it makes me a bit cautious about the sequel. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I don't. I know like Benoit Blanc as a character. Yeah, I thought he was. Brilliant. I think he was very cleverly done. Hmm. And there wasn't anything about him that was. <sighs> he wasn't a. Hercule Poirot or a Miss Marple type character because you know Hercule Poirot is very very precise about his moustache and his clothing and he's a little bit OCD and Miss Marple is a a nosy old uh, curtain twitcher really there wasn't anything that defined him specifically which made him more interesting because it wasn't a case of, oh, you can immediately point at him and go, oh, he's modelled on this character or that character. He's almost an amalgamation of lots of them. Mm. Yeah, no, I agree. It was good, though. I wonder will he be back in the second one? Yes, he is. Oh, he is, yeah? Yes. All right, well, that's good. Yeah, because he is, he is knives out, too. Is it's I think it's all about Benoit Blanc. From this point oh. onwards, it's just following him on another case, kind of like Death on the Nile and Murder on the Orient Express. Death on the Nile, that's the film I was thinking of. Well, yeah. a new version's just come out of that one. Yeah, I wouldn't mind seeing that, actually. It's going to be on Disney+. Plus. Oh, good. No, I definitely <laughs> will watch that. <laughs> so, what did you think of the film overall? I just, like... <sighs> 
when I went to get it, I went to rent it on um, Amazon and I ended up buying it because it was only 50p more to buy. So I thought I might as well buy it. And I would definitely watch it again. I just thought it was a really good murder mystery, comedy, um, just overall, I've really entertained. You know the way sometimes you sit down and you watch a film and you're just like, that was really entertaining. And that's what it was. And it was a nice film to watch. Like, I know it was about murder and greed and spoiled brats and <laughs> stuff. But it was just, it was a really nice thing to watch. And you got, you got the ending that you deserved. Do you know that way? Did you predict who had done it before it was revealed? I had a feeling that not straight away, not straight away, but I had a feeling that he was involved in, I didn't think it was the way it was. I'll be honest with you. I really didn't. But I was like, oh, there's just something not right. It, he, it's going to come up that he had something to do with it, even though we knew he didn't because they were making two. It couldn't simply end with um, she gave him the wrong stuff. So he sacrificed himself for her. That wouldn't have been an ending. Do you know mm. what I mean? That wouldn't have yeah. worked. So it needed to be something a bit more. I didn't realize it was going to be what it was. Um, but yeah, I think uh, it was. it's just a really entertaining film. A great film, I think, for like a Friday night, a couple of glasses of wine, beer, whatever, some crisp and dip and just sit and watch it with someone. And I think it. I almost wish I'd watched it with someone because I think it would be fun to kind of like chat about it while you're watching it, you know? Oh, yeah. God, that was weird. Or he did that. Why do you think he did that? Do you think she did something? Do you, do you know this type of thing? I think it would have been one of the kind of like an interactive, <laughs> <laughs> an interactive film. That's the thing. One interesting thing that came out of this film is during the interview after filming, Rian Johnson actually said, Apple has a thing. This was when it all came out about how Apple doesn't allow film villains to use Apple products. So oh. if you see about if you see somebody in a film that has an an iPhone or a Mac, they are not the killer. Oh, did not know that. Yeah, it wasn't something that many movie makers were very happy about Rian Johnson revealing. However, he did because if you noticed during the film, Jamie Lee Curtis has an iPhone, as oh. does Anna de Armas, and a large number of the other characters in the cast. Oh, I didn't know that. I didn't know that until I was doing research after I'd seen the film for the first time. But oh, it was an interesting interview. I think it was in, yeah. I can't even remember what magazine it was in. Yeah. But it was an interesting revelation. And the fact that another one of these films is going to be coming out in the near future with only one of the cast members back. And did you yeah. realise that Joseph, um, Joseph Gordon-Levitt was in this film? No. I missed him too. If anybody saw him, please tell us which scene he's in. Because apparently he is in this film. He is even credited in this film. And I missed it. It's a very strange thing to credit somebody and not have them in it. But at the same time, I didn't notice him anywhere. Gordon. And I only watched it a few hours ago. Joseph Lev Levitt. Um, cameo. He has a character name and everything. Hang on. 
I need to see this now. Yes. <laughs> I was reading the credits after as I as they were rolling and I saw the name and it's like I'm sure I saw him listed when I was looking it up on Google. And I still um, didn't notice him anywhere. In Knives Out, Gordon Levitt can be heard ah. voicing a character called Detective Hard Rock in a universe TV series watched by Martha at the beginning of the film. So he's heard doing it. Oh, so that's the TV series that her sister is watching. Mm. Yeah. Which I've already mentioned, but I did not realize it was Joseph Gordon-Levitt. Yeah, yeah. It's a very weird thing to credit. We made about two million for that. <laughs> so you've already said that you'd watch it again, mm-hmm. and that you had some inkling that Chris Evans was a character. Do you think this was probably the most un- different role you've seen him play? Yeah, because I only really know him as um, I've seen him in the Iceman, which is obviously different, and obviously Captain America. Um, I don't remember him in what was it? Not is it not another teen? not another teen movie? Yeah, I don't he's only the main character. Yeah, I I see all that years ago because that's nineties, isn't it? I think it's two thousand and one. Was it two thousand and one? Um, oh yeah, it's two thousand and one. Yeah, yeah. Um, hello, you know who you're I, talking to. Yeah, and I wasn't <laughs> a big fan of Fantastic Four. Have to say um but do you think his character is more like johnny storm in fantastic four than captain america yeah because he was a bit of a dick in fact yeah because in captain america he's like you know he's perfect basically you know well, um well he's very nice bearded captain america yeah avengers endgame hello yeah exactly um Actually, yeah but in yeah i remember in um what was the film you just said? Fantastic Four. Yeah, I remember he was a bit of a knob in that, wasn't he? <laughs> You're trying to find other ways to be relatively polite and still insult someone, aren't you? Yeah, he's a bit of a knob in that. Um, but yeah, no, I, I I, thought he should play more films where he's a dick because he does it really well. <laughs> <laughs> you know, he, he makes you despise him, which I think is what you're supposed to do with this guy. Yeah, you're, I think you're supposed to despise him, but you're still supposed to really, really like that cable knit sweater. No. Sorry, Chris. You ruined it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure he'll make it up to you again with another film. Yeah. yeah. Just go and cleanse your palate with a, with um, Captain America the Winter Soldier. Yeah, yeah, I'll do that. But yeah, no, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it. So you're, glad it that I, so you're glad that I asked you to watch this one? Yes good yeah i finally got around to doing it (laughs) (laughs) and on that note where can we find you well i'm at home at the moment (laughs) (laughs) yeah you're gonna give your address out on podcast um yeah i'm on uh twitter as a nightmare pod uh on instagram as once upon a nightmare podcast and yeah you can find me as once upon a nightmare on anything really spotify apple where tumblr tumblr just just google once upon a nightmare podcast and i'm 
the one with the knife, not the other one who stole my name. <laughs> <laughs> and you're not bitter about that at all, are you? That's just ridiculous. But anyway, um, but yeah, you can find me anywhere there. And at the moment, your releasing schedule? It's as and when. You, I'm going for every other week with a bonus one at the moment. and um, But it will be weekly again soon. I'm just trying to get um, caught up with some content and stuff because my kid's been sick and I've been busy with work and all this kind of sick stuff. And as everyone knows, with most podcasters, this is their kind of thing they do on the side. It's not a job. So, yeah. <laughs> I wish. I know, me too. That's the dream. Yeah, getting paid mm. to do a podcast and mm. read. Yeah, just watch movies and research true crime. Okay, <laughs> if you insist. <laughs> I've got no problem with that at all. Yeah, if only you could earn money for your hobby. Well, some yeah. people do, just yeah. not us right now. One day. Manifest. One day. Manifest. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't that a TV program? Yeah. <laughs> about a plane crash <laughs> oh great don't manifest that <laughs> anyway thank you ever so much for coming on my last episode of chris evans season for 2022 yeah while he was a, a knob he's still hot but not in this film <laughs> <laughs> i still wouldn't say no but then i've got really low standards <laughs> i'll take captain america version you can have this one <laughs> Oh, no, I'd, I'd have both. No, don't be greedy. Don't be Sandwich. greedy like the characters in this film. <laughs> <laughs> yes, but I'm, I'm looking at greedy for a different reason. Anyway, mm. <laughs> thank you again so much for coming on and talking about this with me. And look, my voice didn't give out. That's good. That's really good. Bonus. It means I'm on, oh. recover on the road to recovery. Brilliant. Anyway, <laughs> thank you again. And as you've heard, Lorraine's on a once- every other week with bonus episodes at the moment and what's your next one going to be oh i haven't decided yet because i've got a few recorded with guests but i'm thinking i might do silent hill or wolf creek 2 i haven't decided yet and you're actually going to be able to watch wolf creek 2 already watched it but i'm going to watch it again and skip through the part where i don't want to watch again okay it's so horrific so they is <laughs> traumatized <laughs> So there you go, Wolf Creek 2 or Silent Hill yeah. at some point in the next week and a bit. Mm. And this is the last episode of Chris Evans season 2022. Sorry, it's been a lot shorter than the last one. I'll see you soon. Bye. Well, that's it for this week. And for this truncated Chris Evans season, thank you for listening. If you like what you hear, why not share it with your friends and family? And please post a star rating on Good Pod, Spotify or Podchaser. You can follow me on Twitter at need underscore three underscore mugs and on Instagram at notbeforecoffeepodcast. Or you can check out my website, notbeforecoffee.co.uk. Well, I need another cup of coffee as I really haven't had enough. So I'm going to go and put the kettle on. Until next time, this is me saying... Farewell. <laughs>